0: You're listening to a weekly podcast made by Miami Dolphin fans for Miami Dolphin fans. Your source for entertaining dolphin news, insight, and general conversation. Here's your host, Michael Fink. Hey everyone, this is Mike. Uh, the Fans podcast is part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. All right, it's a new week and I'm here with Louis Ragoni.
1: Hello, Dolphins.
0: All right, last week we talked about uh, some of the defensive stars that have played for us, and uh, we're going to turn it to the offensive side uh, this week. Uh, We're not going to do the complete offense today because, quite honestly, there's too many players to mention. Uh, We'll start out with quarterbacks. Start out back in the uh, late 60s, in 1967, they uh, drafted Bob Gracie. They took him uh, with the fourth pick overall. Bob went 92, 56, and 3 in his career. He passed for 25,000 yards. Uh, he was 72-36-1, or, or won 66% of his games once Shula became coach. Uh, Marino, by comparison, won 61.2%. Bob was an eight-time Pro Bowler and uh, two-time All-Pro, not to mention uh, two-time Super Bowl winner.
1: What were your thoughts on Greasy, Lewis? Greasy was an outstanding quarterback. He ran the team During the Super Bowl years, uh, so efficiently he he just put us in a position to win all the time. We didn't throw the football a lot. He wasn't a Dan Marino type, Uh, you know. He just went, did his job when he needed to complete a big pass. He did it, and he seemed to always do it in the close games. You know, you'd see him play action and hit Warfield down the field for a big play right when they needed it, and he did that consistently. Um, Late in his career. 1977, he threw the most touchdown passes he did over his whole career. Wearing glasses. Wearing glasses. First guy to wear glasses as a quarterback. I don't know if he was the first guy to ever wear glasses, period, in the NFL. I think he was. I
0: think he might have been.
1: Yeah. Um, a Quarterback, definitely. I know that. I don't know as far as the other Has anybody
0: else worn them? I mean, we've seen goggles and stuff like that, but has anybody worn prescription glasses? I don't think so.
1: We don't know. They may have been prescription goggles. I yeah. don't know. I don't know. Some of those guys like Norris Thomas, uh-huh. I believe, did it for us. And there's a few other guys. But anyway, the point of the matter is, is that, you know, until, I mean, he was in like his 10th year at that point, maybe his 11th or two. I don't know exactly. but well, it was he came in in
0: 67. So it was 77. It would have been his 11th year.
1: Uh, Yep. So basically at his best year in his 11th season, you know, as far as touchdown passes, which was 22, which nowadays sounds anemic compared to the numbers that these guys put up. But it was a different era and every era is different. And they played
0: 14 games and it was just different.
1: Exactly. But he he was just an outstanding player. He was a smart, smart quarterback, one of the smartest quarterbacks that I think has ever played the game. He just, you know, he just played the game um, at a well, very that high. Was, that was his strength.
0: Yeah, that was his strength. Though. Absolutely. He,
1: Mike, you know, he gets that a lot you know in regard to the fact that he was a very intelligent quarterback but he was an outstanding athlete. I mean expect early in his career he was a great scambler a uh, scrambler and he just did a lot of good things so he kind of that kind of goes under the radar for him he always gets that that label put on him where he was one of the more intelligent quarterbacks but I always saw him as an excellent athlete especially the first half of his career.
0: As did I. He didn't have the strongest arm of, of any quarterback. That that's you know a certainty. But when you get past that, he was as good as anybody.
1: Agreed. Agreed. A, a, a joy to watch. He really was. I mean, he was a technician. He ran the offense perfectly. Shula obviously loved him. And uh, you know you can't really say much more about him. I mean, you know he he was just an outstanding football player.
0: So, the next guy that comes to mind is uh, Earl Morrill. Now, we didn't have Earl for a long time. He was here from 72 to 76. Uh, Shula went out and got him in 72 because he needed a backup quarterback. He took the Dolphins that were 5-0 and at the time of Greasy's injury and uh, won nine straight games and added a win in the playoffs. Uh, he finished his career in Miami with an 11-1 record and in 72, he made the All-Pro team. Earl Morrill was a, a guy who, you know, he was 38 years old in 72, so <laughs> right, his, yeah. his better days were behind <laughs> him, but he came in, and I mean, he he took, he took just took control of the team. It was fun to watch.
1: He did, and you know, without him, you don't go undefeated that year. I mean, he, he had a lot of big plays uh, once he took over for Greasy, so... Yeah. I mean, when you look at his numbers that year, 11 touchdowns, seven interceptions, it doesn't really tell you the whole story. I mean, he stepped in and they didn't, they didn't miss a beat. They really didn't. And, um, you know, it, it, like I said, it, I mean, any other backup quarterback at the time in the league, I don't think would have done any type of job like he did. You know, I don't think they would have been able to do what he did. I mean, they did have a great running game, there's no question about it, but he made a lot of big plays for us in, in that yeah, season. I remember he had
0: a long run for a touchdown uh, which shocked everybody.
1: Was, <laughs> yeah, from like 30-40 yards <laughs> yeah, out, right? Yeah, 37-yard run, I think. Yeah, that I mean, he was he was a joy to watch. And and, um, you know, the reason he makes this list, Mike, is for that specific season and that, exactly. you know, and that reason. Exactly. Uh, you know, a big part of our undefeated team, no question.
0: So talking about backups, in 1974, we drafted a guy by the name of Don Strock. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Don played from 74 to 87. Uh, he was a fifth round choice in the 73 draft. He was 14 and six as a starter during his career. Was probably best known for Wood <laughs> when he, you know, subbed for David Woodley. And he's also known for his sensational effort against the Chargers in the Epic in Miami. Uh, that game he threw for 403 yards and four touchdowns during the contest and drove the team to one of the largest comebacks in team history, trailing 24 to nothing and eventually taking the lead before they lost in overtime, which was really no fault of his.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, uh, Strokt is always going to be remembered for the epic in Miami when he came in and, like you said, he brought us back. And it really, we should have won that game. And who knows what would have happened the following week, right? I mean, he right. would have probably wound up starting after he had that sensational second half against San Diego. And who knows? But you know, the thing about Strak is this: is that um, you know, like you like you mentioned, he was drafted in '74. He didn't really get a shot to play. Until 1978, when Greasy got hurt. You know, and he came in and he played exceptionally well. He threw 12 touchdowns, six interceptions. Uh, He played really, really well in that season. And then from there on, they knew they had a nice, solid backup quarterback. And that's what basically he did the rest of his career. I mean, Mike honestly after that season in 78 where he came on he did not have a lot of career starts thereafter no. No, he usually he you know he usually relieved Woodley and he usually did an extremely good job in relieving Woodley so you know that, w- well, with that- I think,
0: you know there's a benefit to sitting on standing on the sidelines and paying attention to what the defense is doing against your offense and you know he'd go in and he'd be ready he always was prepared.
1: And, you know, Mike, that's another great point. That's something that we do have to mention. This guy was an assistant offensive coordinator for us. There's no question about it. He was in Shula's ear every game up and down the field when they were on offense, always right next to Shula. And um, in his book, he mentioned that, you know, Shula was a phenomenal coach (laughs) from Monday to Saturday. But on Sunday – he relied on him a lot. And now that's what strock wrote in his book. And I believe it because no, there's any, truth to that. It, I, absolutely, Mike, because anytime the camera panned to the sideline, you always saw strock in Shula's ear in situations, you know, every time. Not they panned, only that,
0: but when Dan came off, the first guy he'd run to was Strock. So, you know, same you, you know, that, yeah, there was definitely something right. to that. You know, I I think, you know, the th- Shula was a good delegator, <laughs> Yes. He just was. And, you know, if he felt that Strock was better at something than he might have been, he's going to let Strock do it. That's just the way he worked.
1: Right. And I don't want to take anything away from Coach Shula. Oh, no, you know, no, b- not at before all. Before You know, on, we but... saw
0: the same thing with Greasy. Remember, they, this was a time when quarterbacks were calling their own plays. Right. So, this was not far from that.
1: Yes, absolutely. You know what I mean? But, yeah, you know, go ahead. strock is just, you know, to me – He's a big part of Dolphin history, and mm-hmm. as you look at all the quarterbacks that we've had, I mean, he's got to be on this list. You know, he's one of the better ones we've had, even though he was a backup.
0: Even though he was a backup. He was, he was incredible for, at, at certain stretches of his career. Uh, Absolutely. He, between 80 and 83, he was phenomenal. David Woodley came in in 1980 and played until 83. Now, he was an eighth-round pick in 1980. He was a good athlete, really good athlete. Uh, he was asked to play QB, and uh, he had some great efforts, but I think it was obvious to most he just wasn't going to be the long-term answer. He did lead the offense to the Super Bowl in 82 during the strength-shortened season, but they were really carried by the Killer B defense while they were in their prime.
1: Yeah, the, the Killer B defense and a, and a really, really good offensive line and running game, which included yeah. him, by the way, yep. because... He was a better running. He was a better running back, or better running quarterback, I should say. He was just another running back there, back there. To be honest with you, Mike. I mean, he reminded you of a college quarterback. Yes. You know, when they were running the football, you know, fifty, sixty times a game, and throwing the ball, fifteen times a game in college football back in the seventies and early eighties, and uh, you know, his numbers, Mike, I mean, you know, they, they were really, really bad. I mean, over the couple of years that he did start 14 touchdowns, 17 interceptions, 12 touchdowns the following year with 13 interceptions. Yeah. I mean, this guy well, threw more picks than he did, um, you yeah, know, the reason picks.
0: what straw came to
1: be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, usually he struggled early in games and, um, you know, he was a frustrating guy for me to watch. And, um, you know, I, I wouldn't, honestly, I mean, we have to mention him. He, they did go to the Super Bowl with him. But I think that you can attribute that more to how great Shula was as a head coach to go to a Super Bowl with a guy like this. I mean, you got to, you know, rest in peace, David Woodley. You know, I don't want to take anything away from you. But, you know, I mean, he was a frustrating guy to me. And, I, you know, I, I don't think he was one of our better quarterbacks. I just don't.
0: No, he wasn't. But, you know, I think he got the most out of his ability. Let's put it that way. Right. You know, after Woodley and as Shula knew he needed a quarterback and, uh, 1983 draft came along and Dan Marino was the 27th pick. Now, you know, I, w- I was at every game he played. He was absolutely an amazing player to watch. And, uh, For 17 years, we never really felt we were out of a game, and that's a feeling I would love to have again. He was 147-93 and as a starter for Shula. He broke every meaningful passing record during his career, and I think he was maybe the best pure passer the game has ever seen. Nine-time Pro Bowler, three-time All-Pro, and I still, to this day, I don't think he gets the credit he deserves. Being a Hall of Famer, that's saying a lot.
1: Yeah. I mean, people remember him for late in his career, Mike, when, you know, he had some rough games, his last playoff game against Jacksonville. And that's that that always, always stands out in people's heads when you look back at him and, you know, you compare him to guys like Elway who were winning Super Bowls in their last years. And, um, you know, that's really no fault of his. Uh, He was banged up at the end of his career. I mean, this guy played on bad knees from day one when he came out of college. So, I mean, I can't say enough about the guy. I mean, you know, getting back to Woodley, we can thank uh, Woodley for Marino because had Woodley even been a little bit better football player and a better quarterback, we may not have even looked at Marino at that point because we did have some other holes at the time. Uh, So... You know, we can thank Woodley for that. But Marino, like you said, I think he was the best pure passer ever. Maybe not the greatest or the best quarterback that ever played the game, but in regard to pure passer, I mean, he was just incredibly fun to watch. I mean, anybody who tells you otherwise and the comparisons that they, you know, that they throw at with Brady and these type of guys, I mean, there's no comparison. I mean, when this guy was at the top of his game, It was just a machine. It was impossible to stop. The
0: game has changed. When Dan played, they played with a downfield passing attack and not the dink and dunk offenses that they play with today. It's a completely different game.
1: Absolutely. I mean, he was airing it out down the football field. It wasn't like you said. It wasn't this... Dink and dunk to the running backs like New England does to the tight ends. He was throwing the ball 20, 30 yards down the field consistently. On a rope. And on a rope and completing passes. I mean, again, you know, I can't say enough. If you weren't able to watch him when he was actually playing in football games, I mean, you can go back and see all the highlights, but the highlights really don't do it any justice. When you were watching him live, like you mentioned, Mike, and we watched a million games together down there, in the Orange Bowl and in Joe Robbie, it, he was just a joy to watch. Absolutely, well, you, you joy. have to
0: remember, you know, after the great start he had to his career, he was carrying a bad team.
1: Yes, absolutely. and getting
0: wins, you know, he he yep. was, he was, you know, you say the quarterback can't win you games, so he was doing it just about any time they won.
1: He was absolutely. I mean, think about think about some of the seasons, Mike. Um, back in '86 and back in '88, the yep, guy yep. threw the ball 623 times in 1986, over 16 game season, 623 times, that's and crazy. and in '88 he threw the ball 606 times. I mean yep. that's absolutely insane. The year he threw 623 passes, we did not have a good football team. We had no running game. You know the fact that his you know his quarterback rating was still at a ninety two point five, and he was just single handedly leading your team. It says enough about him. I mean, yeah, we could talk about him all night, Mike. We could, you know, I could could at least. He he was just. No, we
0: could trust me, (laughs) and and, you know, I wouldn't say a bad word about him. I mean, the 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 closest thing I give to him as a criticism would be sometimes he. Maybe checked out of the run too quick, but aside from that, I've got no complaints. I loved watching him play.
1: Yeah, and I mean, again, you know, you you mentioned it earlier, Mike. When you went to football games, you, you could be down twenty one points at halftime, and you came out in the second half, and you were like, you know what? If as it's score first, <laughs> as long as we got Dan yeah. on our on our football field, we can win this football game, and he did it over and over again. He did it in New York in the fourth quarter. You know, with the in the spike the game, game, the right. clock game, and all that. Yeah. I mean, it, he just did it over and over again. We watched him come back so many times, so many times. It was it, he was one of my favorite players to watch ever, ever. And there, you know, I'm, I had I'm sure I, a
0: lot of people agree with that.
1: Yep, absolutely. So
0: Dan retired right after the uh blowout loss to the Jaguars. That was nineteen ninety nine, and uh Jimmy Johnson went with him, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wanstad came in and, and they signed uh, Jay Fiedler. Mm-hmm. Uh, now he went and he compiled a 36 and 23 record as a Miami starter, which didn't look so great then. But I think with our perspective of the last 20 years, it's not so bad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, it's not. It's, it's not. The, the, the problem I have with Fiedler, Mike, um, well, go ahead. Did you have more to say about him before? No, not, re-
0: not really. I mean, you know, look, he was a gritty guy. He just didn't have an NFL arm as far as I was concerned, you know, but he was a competitor. I enjoyed watching him play, but not to the extent of a guy like Marino or, or one of the better quarterbacks that, that we've had.
1: No, you know, they had a pretty good team um, when he was there at times. And uh, we did go to the playoffs with him, but this is a guy that, again, you know, too many interceptions. And the two years that he was a full starter for us, 14 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. The following season, 20 touchdowns, 19 interceptions. This is what he did. You know, he'd throw a touchdown and then on the next drive, he threw a pick. You know, he would drive you crazy, but. When you compare him to what we've been dealing with, like you mentioned, Mike, over the last 20 years, you know, he's probably just a notch above those guys, you know. And um, that tells you how porous we've been since, you know, we we can start naming
0: quarterbacks, but that'd be silly. Everybody knows. Yes. Uh, After after Fiedler uh, in 2008, uh, Chad Pennington uh, was signed as a free agent, Mm -hmm. signed away from the Jets. He led the Dolphins in their worst-to-first campaign. Uh, he was twelve and eight in Miami, and you know would have, would have played longer, but he just couldn't stay healthy. And uh, after two thousand eight, he really didn't contribute a whole lot.
1: Yeah, I mean it. It, it was unfortunate because that two thousand eight season. To watch him play, and he brought us back so many times late in games and his numbers, I mean, 19 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, he did not make mistakes in games. He had a rating of 97.4, you know, quarterback rating that year. Uh, he just did not make mistakes. He didn't. But Mike, you mentioned earlier about Feedler not having a strong arm. Pennington didn't either. But my Correct. goodness, was he like night? He was, accurate, he was so. head and heels yeah. above what Feedler was in regard to quarterback play and and managing a football game. Um, you know, unfortunately, in two thousand nine, three games into the season, he got hurt, right. and that was it. And our season kind of went, you know, went into crapper right after that. And uh, he basically only started one. One more game over the rest of his career. He was done in 2010. He started one game and he got hurt in that game as well or very early on. And we were like, my goodness. I mean,
0: yeah, he was done.
1: You know, it was done. He, He had a very, very short career here in Miami. He had that one full season, but it was a great one. It was absolutely great.
0: And that's why he's on the list. I mean, you know, look, he he was at the end of the line, you know, but he came in here and he got a great, he had a great year. And listen, it was due to the wildcat. It wasn't just Pennington, but uh, he, you know, he steered the ship and got the job done. He did. Now, Ryan Tannehill was drafted (laughs) in 2012 and I really debated whether I was going to mention Ryan or not, but I did. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was taken eighth in the 2012 draft. He was 42 and 46 in Miami and and really a very controversial figure. I think he kind of split the fan base uh, like nobody else I can remember. Do you, do you remember a player splitting the fan base like Tannehill did?
1: I, I don't Mike. I mean, you can look back at, you know, uh, I mean,
0: people either loved him or hated him. There wasn't a whole lot in between.
1: No, you're right. I mean, Sammy Smith, because of his fumbles and stuff. Um, I hear a lot of hatred towards him. You know, he was a number one pick. And yeah. some people, I mean, I listen, I loved Sammy Smith. We'll talk about running backs next week. But, you know, he's a guy that's comparable because when you talk to Dolphins that have, you know, that have a history of watching them over the last 30, 40 years, he's one guy that comes to mind. You ask me the question, question and I'm right. answering it. Right. There's not a lot of guys like Tannehill. And I'm on the opposite side because – you said it right at the beginning. His his lifetime record was my, what? Coming in with it?
0: 42 and 46. It?
1: That says it all right there, Mike. You know, 42 and 46. I mean, he was an average quarterback. He put up great numbers, but he put up great numbers at a time when quarterbacks were putting great numbers up. I think that the numbers with him are very fudged. So, to speak, um, uh, I know. don't want to say that, but what I'm going to say is this, Lewis. When it
0: came time to deliver, he came up short way too often,
1: yes. I'm and
0: that's that's how I look at his tenure here. Uh, I can't tell you how many third downs he he missed and you know, threw the ball out of bounds or threw it at a player's feet or whatever the case is. I mean, there's so many different instances, you know, just he's that he wasn't the player that maybe he became for Tennessee. We'll see what happens there. I'm not convinced he's going to play as well as he did last year from here
1: on out. We'll see. absolutely. I mean, he had spurts where he played well he for did. us here.
0: In 2014, I thought maybe he was turning the corner, but it just it just didn't, you know, it just didn't happen.
1: It just, you know, it it just did not exactly. Mike, listen. Look at his yards per attempt. You know, in in that 2004, that was his best season that you said, right? Yes. 6.9 yards per attempt. Mm -hmm. I mean. I don't don't
0: blame him for that because I think that was the offense. You know, that's what they wanted him to do.
1: Yes, but the point of the matter is, is that anytime we needed a a play down the field, it wasn't there. That I blame him for. That that was a, a knock on him consistently. He was timid.
0: He was timid.
1: He he just and he didn't challenge guys. I mean, we watched Bless. Fitzpatrick, and yeah. we'll get into him, I'm sure, at some point. But you watch him challenge the defenders, and he allows his receivers to make plays. Tannehill never did that. He saw a guy covered, and he said, "Well, let me just check down," and he did it consistently over his five six years he was here. To me, he was a frustrating guy to watch. I mean, you know, that's my opinion of him. You know, at times. Like you said, Mike, I thought that he was going to turn the corner, and he got you excited, but it never developed, and and that's that's it was he,
0: a tease. He,
1: he was, was a tease, absolutely, over and over again. Best
0: word to use,
1: over and over again. So
0: hopefully he's got it figured out, and he can go on and have a, a good end to his career. Yeah, and, we don't. Uh,
1: he's in our conference, Mike. We don't want him to have that great. Well, a career. I didn't say against us, but right. I hope he does all right. I got nothing against. Him. No, neither do I. Want,
0: I just didn't want to watch him play anymore. Exactly. <laughs> we had enough of him. Yep. Uh, so Matt Moore. Matt Moore came in in 2011 and played to 2017. He was 8-9 and nine as a starter for the Dolphins, primarily a gunslinging backup who, who many people felt should be starting. Uh, he won a team MVP in 2011 and, and won the final two games of 16, leading the Dolphins into the playoffs before losing to the Ravens. What were your thoughts on Matt Moore?
1: <laughs> I love the guy. You know, I mean, how do you not like him? You know, he's he's an undersized guy, and he just went out there and he had no fear, Mike. That's what you loved about him in that 2011 season that you mentioned. He only started 12 games, but he threw 16 touchdown passes over those right. 12 games. Right. He really came in and he was our MVP that year, and he gave us something because that team was not very good. I don't remember what their final record was, but they they weren't a very good team and you know he he brought some excitement to the ball club and he was a very solid backup thereafter you know he came in at times and did a good job other times he didn't you know but um overall i love the guy you know he he compared to some of the guys that we had in between fiedler and up to this point uh well he know.
0: was kind of like fiedler to me you know yeah. he didn't have the strongest arm in the world you know but uh yes. he he'd play you know he'd play he'd challenge you
1: he did no uh, question. what do you want to
0: say about fitzpatrick i actually did not have him on my list just because it's so recent
1: well it is recent but you know we have to b- because he had such a great year last year you almost have to put him on a list i mean mike When was the last time you had a quarterback have a season like he did last year? I mean, comparable. I mean, you can mention, you know, some of Tannehill's seasons and stuff, but I'm talking, you know, overall to where he just constantly brought you back in the football game. I think
0: he got more out of the players around him than Tannehill was capable of doing.
1: And and not only that, Mike, but he made plays – to put you back in the games or put you in a position to win games, whereas Tannehill never did that as far as I'm concerned. It was like night and day to watch him compared to what Tannehill did. When we got down in games, Mike, you never felt we were ever going to win football no, games it was when done. Tanne- Tannehill was quarterbacking. Last year, as the season developed, and you watched them constantly coming back and getting back in the football games – yeah, You were like, my goodness, this guy's just a machine, whether he was running the football or passing. So, you know, we'll give him a mention. He only had one season here, but it was a very good season. I mean, he only started 13 yep. games and he threw 20 touchdowns. I mean – yeah. Well, you he know, was
0: pretty bad in the first two games, right? He
1: was. Oh, absolutely. There's no question about it. So, I mean, when you compare- It wasn't
0: perfect, you know.
1: Mike, his second half of last season was probably one of the best second halves we've had of a quarterback in a long time. I, I mean, agreed, in a long time. Agreed. His last games were, his last eight games were just fantastic.
0: Well, I think he was a good reason we won the five games
1: that we did. Agreed. Absolutely. Um, I don't think, I think we covered everybody. In re- I think
0: we did. All right, so let's talk about tight ends.
1: Tight ends. All right, tight, tight ends. ends. Now, I put Larry Seiple on the tight
0: end list because there isn't a list for punters.
1: <laughs> okay, <laughs> and, and, and we're not let, doing special
0: teams at some point? <laughs> well, I, I don't think so. Okay. Uh, Reggie Roby, I mean, you know, Gary Uprami, there isn't a whole lot there.
1: Uh, Stoyo. I mean, you know, yeah, maybe. Mari. Okay. okay. Orlando Murray, yeah. We covered it. Fear.
0: All okay. right, so <laughs> Larry Izzo.
1: <laughs> Izzo, there you go. That's yeah. another one. We yeah. came up with five or six We well, right could there. probably
0: come up with a few more. All right, trying.
1: well, we did that. We we incorporated that into this show now, Mike. All so right, so we got it.
0: Larry Seipel at tight end. Seipel came in in 67. He played the 77. He was a seventh-round selection in the 67 draft. Uh, he was kind of like Jim Jensen before Jim Jensen. He played tight end, he played halfback, and he punted. Mm-hmm. Uh, he threw three passes in his career. He completed all three, uh, in 633 punts. He only had five blocked. Uh, he was most famous for his, uh, fake punt that turned the momentum in the 72 AFC championship game up in Pittsburgh. And a big reason we kept going undefeated.
1: Yep. That was one of the biggest plays in, in, in our history. Yeah. It's one of the most memorable plays and that's what you remember Seipel for uh, you know, it's simple as that. He, my goodness. I mean, he punted for how many years was he with us as our punter, Mike? 11, 11 seasons. I mean, you know, he, he, always did a great job there. You know, as far as tight end, you know, he had minimal, minimal opportunities. He made the best of it. And, and that, that's all you can really say about him.
0: Now in 1970, uh, they drafted Jim Mandich. He was a second round pick in that draft. Jim played nine years in Miami, and his best moment was scoring the winning points over the Minnesota Vikings in 1972, keeping the undefeated string alive. Later, he'd become a legend in Miami as, all right, Miami became a thing in the radio booth each time the Dolphins got Jim excited. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fun to listen to.
1: Maybe the best yeah. that I've ever listened to in regard to football games. Such a homer, but... I mean he gave, you know he gave the team crap when they needed to get you know get yeah. when they yeah. needed to get crap I mean it the was some manure is
0: permeating through Joe Robbie Stadium Oh
1: he yeah. was phenomenal <laughs> I mean the best that I have ever heard I mean he he was it's so sad that we don't have him anymore he sure um, is. you know I enjoyed listening to him on the radio I know you used to listen to him Instead of listening to the TV telecast, you would put the radio on. Okay. This is going to be interesting to everybody that's listening. Mike would put the radio on and listen to the radio broadcast and, Not the TV broadcast as he was watching the football games, which I thought was hysterical. And, um, you know, I don't know if it timed up right for you, but regardless. Then it did. Now it doesn't. Now it doesn't. Right. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's all over the place now. But Yeah. yeah, I mean, Mandich, you know, he was a very, very solid football player for us. I mean, if people go back and look at his numbers... You know, they're, they're not great. His best season was 74, where he caught six touchdown passes, 33 pa- he caught 33 catches. Yeah, but nobody caught a lot uh, of passes. No, no back, no, then, back, back did. then they didn't. Nobody yeah. caught. I mean, 33 catches for us back in 74 was a lot. Six touchdowns was a lot. But, um, you know, he'll forever be remembered as, as maybe one of the best announcers ever in our history. There's no question. I love the guy. Love the guy. And I miss listening to him. Oh, yeah, so do I.
0: I miss his enthusiasm, you know? Oh,
1: he was great. Absolutely great.
0: So anyway, in 1978, we drafted Bruce Hardy. He played till 1989. I didn't realize he played that long. He, yep. he was here a long time. Yep. Uh, he was a ninth round pick in the 78 draft, a very dependable player over his 12 year NFL career. I uh, thought he was a good blocker, he had soft hands and he was competitive.
1: Yeah, he was great. I mean, I loved him. I mean, he was here for a long time. He was, Shula loved him. Uh, you know, he had some really solid years. I mean, in 86, he had 54 catches. I mean, and he was like eight, nine years into his career at that point. Uh, you know, he was always consistent. You know, he had a really big game in the Epic in Miami. In that second half, he came up with some big, big plays. I mean, I think he caught his longest touchdown of his career in that football game because he wasn't known for that. He wasn't a big speed guy, Mike, you know, right, but right. but he always did the job. You mentioned he was a great blocker. Uh, he was an extension of the offensive line and he did have soft hands. I mean he did not drop a lot of passes. He was very, very solid. Good all
0: around tight end.
1: He he truly was, no question.
0: Dan Johnson, I debated whether I'd put Dan on here for a couple of reasons. He only played from 83 to 87. He was a seventh round pick of the 82 draft. Now, obviously, he had a short career, it was fairly productive. He was quoted in 2011, uh, speaking to ESPN, that he took over a thousand pain pills a month during his playing days, earning him the nickname King of Pain. <laughs> Uh, he was the only player to catch a Super Bowl touchdown for Marino against the 49ers in Super Bowl 19. I thought he was good when he played. Uh, you know, unfortunately, he didn't have a very long career. He had a lot of broken bones. He had a lot of injuries for a four-year career. And, you know, some guys, it just goes that way. He had bad luck.
1: Yeah. I mean, he was constantly hurt. I mean, he had two seasons where he was our starter. And you know he caught seven he caught four touchdowns one season three touchdowns the next season uh the dolphins did do a lot of double tight ends at that point hardy was part of the mix and actually joe rose was part yep. of the mix as well they actually had yep. three tight ends when he was playing so they would shuffle these guys in and out so when he yeah, had he up, and
0: Hardy, he, he and Hardy were mostly the blocking tight ends. I think Rose was usually out. He
1: was, right, which you know eliminated him in, you know, in third down situations yeah. and stuff when they had to pass the football. So I mean, I thought he was a solid football player when like you mentioned Mike, when he was on the field, but um, you know, the tight ends, you know, our history of tight ends is not great, so it's not you know, great. But you know. I'll
0: tell you a guy who was, and that was Keith Jackson. He came in in 92 and played here through '94. He was a first-round pick of the Eagles in 88 and three seasons with Miami. He started 42 games, had 146 receptions, and scored 18 touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Uh, He's a five-time pro bowler. He made it once as a Dolphin in 1992.
1: Yep. When they signed him, which was into the season, um, I believe, right? I yeah, think, I think so. that he was a, a – he only, he only played 13 games for us, and I know that uh his very first game we went up to buffalo and he caught a touchdown pass in that game from marino and we were ecstatic that we got him because this was a guy that we were like my god he's he's one of the best tight ends in football at the time he did have three very solid seasons for us and um you know there's not a lot more to say about him i mean he was he was an outstanding football player he was one of the more athletic tight ends that we've ever had in the history of our franchise so um, very, very solid football player. And we, we got three really good years out of him. You know, it's
0: funny cause we're going from talking about guys that played 10, 12 years to now guys had played three, four years for us, you know, because of a free agency coming yes. in and, and the yep. situation changing. Yep. The next guy is Randy McMichael. He played 2004, 2002 through 2006. He was a fourth round pick in the 2002 draft, uh, Really solid player who was consistent throughout his Dolphin career. He totaled 3,096 yards on 283 receptions, and he had 18 touchdowns.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. I loved him. He was maybe our most athletic tight end. I'd agree with that. I mean, he he could-
0: Kosicki might not.
1: Yeah, Gusecki might well, we we still got to see something at, more out of Gusecki. But uh-huh. Michael, I watched him just jump over guys from the 5-6 yard line into the end zone. I mean, he was a guy that unfortunately was here at a time when we just did not have a quarterback to take him to the – Pro Bowl level and when you look at his numbers and the fact that he had 73 catches in 2004 for almost 800 yards I mean he had some really good numbers but the quarterbacks that were throwing to him I mean you had guys like Ferrat and Culpepper and Cleo Lemon and A.J. Feely these are the guys that were throwing to him. You're he- giving me a headache. Mike, I mean, they 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 just weren't good quarterbacks. But no, they weren't. if you look at his numbers over those five seasons, they were very very good. I mean, he averaged, you know, somewhere between fifty to seventy catches a year, and it's you know he told you know he averaged around six seven hundred yards a season as well. So yeah. he was an extremely good football player. I absolutely loved him. He left us, you know, through, through free agency, like you mentioned a minute ago. You know, in regard to Keith Jackson being here, and then he left us for Green Bay as well. But McMichael was an outstanding football player. Unfortunately, he played for us when he didn't have a guy like Marino or somebody like that thrown to him. And that was, yeah. you know, that hurt him a little bit.
0: Anthony Fasano came to us in 2008 as a free agent. He played here until 2012 and then came back for one season in 2017. He was a second round pick in the 2006 draft, uh, drafted by the Cowboys. He played two seasons in Dallas before coming to the Dolphins. He scored seven touchdowns in 2008 to help Sperano's team advance into the playoffs. In all, he spent six years in Miami and retired after 2017.
1: Yeah, Fasano was was a favorite of mine in that period. You know, he always seemed to make a big play, caught some touchdowns for us over those few seasons, you know, when he was our starter. Uh, Him and Pennington, really connected well. I mean, I remember a great pass. Maybe Pennington's best pass of the season when he threw it over uh, Fasano's opposite shoulder as he was going into the end zone. And it was late in the game against the Jets up in New York. I'll never, re- I'll never forget that play. It was just outstanding. I mean, just a great throw and an incredible catch. And uh, he was a very solid blocker as well. As a matter of fact, Mike, you mentioned when we brought him back. They brought him back because he was he was yep. rated as one of the best blocking tight ends in football in two thousand in two thousand and sixteen when he when we took him back from Tennessee and he played for us in seventeen but a really really solid player now he's
0: another guy that I would say was a good all around tight end
1: yes he really was he really was um you know just just a, a Just a solid, solid, dirty, you know, he got down and dirty. And that's what you liked about him. He did what he had to do. Yep. Uh, You know, enjoyed him. Enjoyed him.
0: Now, Lou, we debated on putting Charles Clay on the list. And and I did. Uh, And maybe I shouldn't have, but I did. Mm -hmm. He played four seasons in Miami. His first two years were not all that productive. He had 445 yards. And then the next two years, he had 1,364. Mm-hmm. And that got him a nice offer from Buffalo. Miami decided not to match it. And he never really truly regained his Miami production.
1: No, he didn't. I mean, he had two solid seasons for us. Um, you know, Tannehill was throwing the football for to him at that point. And, um, you know, it was a lot of dinking and dunking. I enjoyed him as a football player. Um, you know, again, very short amount of time he did it for us. And, um, you know, a guy that I thought really had a lot of potential and just seemed to always underachieve, so to speak. I mean, in 2014, he caught a total of three touchdown passes, you know, uh, and they threw the ball to him an awful lot. He was targeted at a lot. So, yep. you know, I mean, you know, to me, we did debate it. I didn't feel, he, you know, he, he, he was deserving – obviously you felt he did and you know it is what it
0: is based on two years of production you know it's 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 a coin flip really it's a coin flip yep uh you know he was probably one of the best tight ends we've had the last half a dozen years you know him and Fasano so Mm -hmm. agreed and then you know last or 2018 you know we drafted Mike Kosicki uh he was a second round pick uh he had a bit of a breakout season last year. he caught 51 passes for 570 yards and five touchdowns. I imagine as the offense improved, I hit maybe his production will too.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, the verdict's still out on him. Um, yep. you know he's a one-trick pony. he's got to learn the block better. maybe maybe not. I don't know in today's game, who knows? I mean, you know, I think that it's a necessity because they do want to run the football next year, and I think that if he's not out there uh, bl- holding blocks, we're not going to be very effective in doing it, and it's going to, you know, it's going to create an issue in regard to uh, how much he's going to play. If he's That's going exactly it, he's got to get to that next level, Mike, to where he's capable of throwing at the defense whether they're going to run or pass the football. If he's able to block, it gives us such an advantage when we're playing football teams because you can... No, I,
0: I will say this. Gailey does have a tendency of spreading you out
1: mm-hmm. and
0: trying to run you know, while you're spread out. So it's very possible that he may see more playing time than we actually think because of the nature of the offense that they're going to run, if that's indeed what Gailey does.
1: Right. And he's, Mike, he's going into his third season. So at this point, he should be at his prime. Okay. He's got two seasons under his belt and he needs to get to a level to where he's able to be on the field all three downs. I don't want to see him out there on third down and coming off the field on first and second down. He needs to be a three down player if he's going to get to the next level. Exactly. Exactly. Otherwise, you're just going to see something very similar to what we did last year, which was good, but not great. Yeah, he's going I, to I be agree with that. a decent tight end for you, and that's he gives you of,
0: reason for optimism. But he there's does. still room to grow.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. He's got listen, he's got good hands, and he's got great athletic ability. I mean, he has the potential. He's just got to be committed to doing what he needs to do when he's not getting the football thrown to him, and it's yep. as simple as that.
0: Yep. He did a better job of staying on his feet. Uh that that to me was a big deal. Uh, right. you know, because he wanted to jump over everybody to the first you know, his first season. Right. Yep. That's not winning football. You've got you've got to break tackles. Gotcha. Wide receivers. Oof.
1: A lot of good ones, Mike.
0: There's a lot a lot of good ones. We gotta talk quick. Yeah. Uh Howard Twilley came in in 1966, played through 1976. He was drafted in the 12th round of the 66 draft. Precise route runner who was one of the two original Dolphins to play on the Super Bowl teams. Uh, The other was tackle Norm Evans. Uh, He was a reliable player. Uh, Each year Miami would try to, you know, replace him with somebody a little bit faster and they they just found it really tough to do and he ended up putting together an 11-year career.
1: Yeah, exactly. He was with us for quite a while, like you mentioned, one of the original Dolphins. He was a very, very solid receiver. You never saw him drop passes. When they gave him the opportunity to catch balls, he did. Yeah. And that's why he was on the team all those years. And yeah. he could block. Yes, he wasn't he was a very big blocker. guy. He was an yeah. excellent blocker from the outside, which obviously uh, back in, in the early days and the way was we important. were running the football was extremely important.
0: The other guy who could block played on the other side of him, and that was Paul Warfield. Mm-hmm. And Warfield uh, was drafted in, uh, I'm sorry, he played for us from 1970 to 1974. He was uh, drafted in the first round of the 64 draft by the Browns. Uh, he remained in Cleveland until 1970, and one of the first moves that uh, Shula made, they, they made a trade for Paul. Uh, he was an eight-time Pro Bowler, two-time All-Pro, and a Hall of Famer as a receiver, he had no weakness. Not, not, there was not a weakness in his game. Uh, he made the Pro Poll in 68 and 69 for the Browns in 1970, 71, 72, 73, and 74 for Miami. And then in 75, he signed on to play with the World Football League. So we lost him. But uh, I think he was probably the most talented receiver I've seen in a Dolphin uniform when you consider all aspects of his game.
1: Yeah. He he was incredible. The fact that we didn't throw the football really hurt his career numbers. Um, you know, it went once he came to Miami. But I mean, listen, you look at the numbers when people go back six hundred yards, five hundred yards, five. It doesn't tell you the story. I mean, this guy was just an incredible, incredible wide receiver. And any time they went down the field, it was there. It was that simple. I mean, they did not throw the we, – we were throwing the ball 15 times a game at the most, and he was getting targeted a handful of times every game, but every single time. I mean, look at his average per catch, Mike, in the seasons That's he was phenomenal, with. phenomenal, yes. Let me throw this at you real quick, and then we'll move on. 23 yards a catch, 20 yards a catch, seven almost 18 yards a catch, almost 20 yards a catch in 1974 those he at this guy averaged 20 yards a catch every yep. time he touched he the still football. owns the team record for yards per it's catch it's insane what this guy did uh you know he, he was an he was an incredible incredible football player absolutely loved him just too. a
0: great athlete great man uh yep. great player yep um,
1: team player team yep. player
0: yep didn't complain you're right so in, in 1974, we, we drafted another pretty darn good receiver and that was Nat Moore. Uh, Moore played with us until 1986. He was a third round choice in the 74 draft, a super steady receiver. Uh, he only made the Pro, Bowler, uh, Pro Bowl once and was an All-Pro selection in 1977. He never had a thousand-yard season, but that had more to do with the offense, I think, than a skill set. Because most of his career, he was playing with Greasy, and they weren't really putting the ball up, you know, as, as often as uh, it would have taken for him to get a thousand yards.
1: Yeah, I mean, he was on his way to a thousand yards in 1976, and then he got hurt. Yeah, um, he only played in nine games that year, and at that point, Mike, he had 33 catches, 625 yards and four touchdowns. And here's another guy. He, at Early in his career, I mean, that season, he averaged 18.94 yards, almost 19 yeah. yards a catch. Yeah. Okay? And this was a team, as you mentioned, that was, they, they just weren't throwing the ball all that much. So, you know, a, as I look at Nat, you know, he broke his leg that year. And I, when he came back, he didn't have that, that same speed. But right. what he did become was one of the best – Best receivers period as far as catching the football possession receivers and he did it for us for years and this is one of my favorite players as well because he's one of those bridge guys you know he was yep. there with Greasy yep. and Moral and and the Super Bowl team you know kind
0: of got re-energized with Marino
1: and then then he went through Woodley and Strock and then he came back and he he revived his career with Marino. Marino just kept him around, and he was he was our third leg, Mike. Yep. Behind Duper and Clayton, he was our third leg back then. He was outstanding in doing that as well. He had some really, really, really good years for us late in his career. I mean, six touchdowns, six touchdowns, seven touchdowns. His last four years, Mike, six, six, seven, and seven touchdowns. I mean, what does that tell you? And at that point in his career, you know, he was ten years into his career at that point. So, yeah, I, you know, I, Nat Moore, I, I, I absolutely, he's still with the organization. He's got to be one of the, one of the, one of the, one of the all-time Dolphins. Period. I mean, he's he doesn't. A
0: lifer. Yep.
1: He doesn't have Pro Bowls. He doesn't have Super Bowl rings. But he's a lifetime Dolphin, and he's got to be right at the top among all the all-time Dolphins. He's got to be in the top 10 as far as I'm concerned.
0: No, he's a guy that just got the job done. I mean, you know, that was one of Shula's favorite expressions, and it fits.
1: Yep. That's another team player, Mike. He did yep. it. You know, he he. listen, Shula kept him around for a good reason. I mean, all those seasons. What did he play, 14 years for us? He had 14 seasons with us. I mean, the guy was – you, know, you can't say enough about them. I mean, nowadays you think you're going to see receivers play for 14 seasons? Forget it. It's not happening. It's yeah. not happening. Yeah. You get 5 or 6 years out of them, you know, with free agency, you may get 3 or 4 with, you know, with, with us, and then they'll move on and play for another team for 3 or 4 years at the most. That's it. This guy played like 14 years for us. I mean, you know, enough said. The guy was great. Jim uh,
0: Jensen, I put in it at the receiver. Yeah. Uh 11th round selection in the 81 draft we could have put him in a quarterback too but
1: quarterback was, special yeah, teams yeah, right, a tight right. end i mean he did he, he lined up in the backfield as well
0: yeah he spent his first three seasons on the bench as our third string quarterback and then in 84 he became a weapon on offense
1: well he, I, he was playing special teams mike those correct. three seasons so let's correct. mention that okay yep.
0: Uh, He was a weapon on offense. He was versatile. He was tough and he was sure-handed. Marino began to look more and more to Jensen who played wide receiver and from time to time set in as a running back. His best work came in 88 when he caught 58 passes for 652 yards. He finished his career with uh, 2,171 yards receiving and 142 yards rushing. Uh, He scored 19 touchdowns all receiving. So, you know, he was a jack-of-all-trades. He just did whatever they needed, and, and, you know, he was a workhorse. You know, he was was a workhorse. He could do whatever you wanted him to do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The fact that he came in as a quarterback, made the team as a third-string quarterback— Played special teams and and played it well. He was one of our best special teams players. Yeah, as a
0: headhunter, as a quarterback, and, <laughs>
1: and he did it all through his career. Absolutely, yeah. he 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 played special teams all through his career. And the fact that late in his career, the numbers that he put up and the third down conversions. Oh, That's another thing that, that, that people forget. Marino on third and four, third and five, this guy came up with more third down conversion receptions than anybody at that time, Mike. Over those three seasons, uh, you mentioned between 88 and 90, 58 catches, 61 catches, 44 catches. This is a guy that wasn't even on the field on 50% of the o- yeah, plays on yeah. offense, and he just put up really great numbers for us. Very his- clutch player. Oh, uh, he, he was outstanding, outstanding player, no question. In
0: 1982, Shula decided he was going to put an offense together, and he drafted Mark Duper. Uh, Duper was here from 82 until 92. He was a second-round pick in 82. Mark only dressed for two games his rookie season and never saw the field. Uh, He was a track star learning how to be an NFL receiver. The plan worked to perfection. In 83, Duper caught 51 passes for 1,003 yards and made the first of his three Pro Bowls. He'd better that in 84 with 1,306 yards, which he bested in 86 with 1,313. He wouldn't break 1,000 yards again until 1991 with 1,085. He retired after the 92 season.
1: Duper, <laughs> you, you had to love him. I mean, the flat-out speed, he was tough. He was small. He, he was, was tough,
0: small, fast, and he was
1: uh, fearless. And fearless. Um, unfortunately, after that 86 season, he got banged up over and over again. He he seemed to always be playing not at, not at 100%, and it did hurt him over those seasons. The fact that, Mike, he went – Four seasons uh, before he wound up having another 1,000-yard season in 1991 yeah. tells you that, you know, this guy just couldn't stay on the field in, in certain situations. I mean, he was getting banged up, and um, he was a joy to watch. I mean, his speed, I mean, he would just blow past cornerbacks and safeties. Like Good it was nothing. Like, it was nothing. I mean, he'd blow by him and you'd be like, oh my God, (laughs) he'd just make them look silly. Absolutely silly. So much fun to watch him and Marino play together. I mean, my goodness.
0: And we got to throw Clayton in the mix. Now, Clayton was here from 83 to 92. He was an eighth round pick in the 83 draft. Clayton, in my opinion, was the second best receiver we've had from a skill standpoint, only trailing the incredible Warfield. There wasn't a pass this five foot nine receiver couldn't catch. He was spectacular at times, going high up over taller defenders to snag the football away. Clayton always seemed to be exactly in the right spot for a deflection or errant pass, and somehow they fell into his mitts. A five-time pro bowler, he and Duper together made one of the most dangerous receiving corps the game has ever seen.
1: Clayton, my favorite all-time player, Mike. Yeah. My favorite all-time player. Um, I... I have, Tough very, as nails. I have very few jerseys up in my closet. I'm not a big jersey fan. I have I have a lot of dolphin clothing. Jersey-wise, I have a Marino and I have a Clayton, and that's it. Those are the two jerseys I have. Clayton's my all-time favorite. I mean, I love them. I mean, he just made guys miss. He'd catch the ball and he was a juggernaut. When he caught the ball, you weren't tackled. Like a jitterbug. He's jitterbug. There. Yep. That's that's the name for him. He had, I mean, he'd get up and catch the ball like you mentioned. He was different. Duper was fast. He was completely yep. different from Duper. Clayton did it in different ways. He was shifty. He just he just made people look silly. And once he got the ball in his hands, a joy to watch. A joy to watch. Absolutely loved him.
0: OJ McDuffie came in in 1993, played to 2001. He was a first-round pick in the 93 draft. Now, to me, OJ was a poor man's Jarvis Landry. He was tough, physical, and sure-handed. A great safety blanket for Marino during the mid-90s. He only topped 1,000 yards once in 98, but don't let that fool you. He was tough to stop. He scored 29 touchdowns, but his real value came on third down. His catch percentage was 60%. He suffered a bad case of turf toe, which ultimately ended his career a little bit prematurely. But OJ was a, was another clutch player, you know. Uh, and you can't say enough about these guys who were clutch because that's so important to your game.
1: Yeah, he didn't drop passes, Mike. He just didn't. Um, he wasn't wasn't a very fast guy, but maybe our best possession receiver in the history of the Dolphins. I mean, he was that good over those seasons you know, where he caught, he caught 62, 74, 76, 90 passes over those four seasons. And he averaged only about 13 or 12 yards a catch every one of those seasons. Not a yep. lot of touchdowns, you know, eight, eight, one and 7, over that, seven uh, over that four-year period. But one of the best possession receivers we have ever had did not drop the football. When he dropped the football, it was like a shock because anything that was close to him, he caught.
0: Honorable mention to Rondé Gadsden. Gadsden played from 98 to 2003. He was a walk-on free agent. He impressed us all with his long reach and sure hands. He made several key plays during his six-year Dolphin career and uh, helped win a lot of ballgames.
1: Yep. Overachiever. A guy that came out of nowhere and Man, I'll tell you what, Mike, those four seasons from 98 to 2001, he was so much fun to watch. He was a tight end playing wide receiver. Yeah. He was great. I mean, he was, I mean, listen, he averaged around 15 yards a catch over his career. And uh, he wasn't a guy that had a, a, a ton of speed. He didn't have any speed. No speed, but my goodness, <laughs> could he make plays? Uh, he was he was fun to watch. No question. He
0: just had that reach. That reach was incredible. Oh, uh, you know, He'd be covered, but you know, there's no way you're going to defend those arms. Exactly.
1: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And big guy to bring down as well. Yep, once he got yep. the ball in his hands, yep.
0: Chris Chambers came in in 2001 and played to 2007. He was a second-round pick in the 2001 draft. He quickly became a fan favorite for his ability to make acrobatic catches uh, seem routine. He only played 12 seasons, seven with Miami, and made the Pro Bowl in 2005, which was the only season he topped 1,000 yards.
1: Yep. Very good football player for us. You know, Mike, he was inconsistent at times, which was weird because He'd have this blow-up game one, you know, one week, and then he'd go two weeks without doing much of anything. Now, that that you can attribute that uh, maybe you know quarterback play at that point, that could have been the situation.
0: He dropped I, a bit too many passes, from my taste. I agree. Um, I like Chambers. He was a great athlete. Yes but I'm not sure he was always a great receiver.
1: And I I'm not sure he was always focused for that. You know, Mike going in the games it seemed like he took games off. I don't know what the deal was with him because yeah. he had the potential to be a Pro Bowl player year in and year out and he always left you Wanting more, you yeah, know, it's I agree. like you I know, agree. a
0: lot of people love him and I respect that because he was, like I said, a great athlete, but I just don't think he was on the level of some of the other receivers that we've mentioned.
1: Agreed, agreed. line
0: played from 2009 to 2014, is the fourth round selection in the 2009 draft, a high effort player who got the most out of his ability. He played six years in Miami, totaling 4,243 yards.
1: Yeah, 2,000 yard seasons. Uh, back-to-back seasons where he caught 74 and 76 passes. Uh, you know, the knock on him was, Mike, he didn't catch a lot of touchdown passes, but maybe our quarterbacks weren't capable of throwing touchdown passes back
0: then. <laughs> that might have been a problem.
1: Yeah, and you know who I'm referring to there. I so, know
0: exactly, yeah. so we, we can just move on. Yes, there uh, you go. Jarvis Landry, 2014-2017, to second-round pick of the 2014 draft. Jarvis was the most talented slot receiver in franchise history. Uh, he's made the Pro Bowl in five of his six NFL seasons.
1: Yeah, Jarvis, you know, I mean, it, we we hated to see him go, right? Um, you know, feisty guy, a guy that would, you know, would, would fight, you know, the 11 guys on the opposite side, you know, when he was going against them. Listen, he didn't want to stay. I mean, they nope. offered him. They offered nope. him a nice-sized contract, and – You know, he said no to it. So, I mean, that, you know, I'm kind of bitter about it. But, um, you know, the point is he was a really, really good player. He was a lot of fun to watch, uh, you know, when he was with us over those four seasons. And, you know, he's deserving to be on this list as far as one of the better receivers. No question about it.
0: Well, I think he was the best slot receiver we've ever had. I mean, I don't count that more as a slot receiver. He was really an outside guy who played the slot when Duper and Clayton were here. Right. But a different you know, game, Mike. Different yeah, time, exactly. different game. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, he, he deserves recognition for that reason. Uh you know, he he was a fiery person, you know, he wasn't always thinking team first, but mm-hmm. you know, that's the game today. Yes. That is the game today. Devontae Parker, 2015 to 2020. Now, Devontae was a first-round pick in the 2015 draft. Broke out last year, hauling in 72 passes for 1,202 yards. Easily his career best. Uh, With Parker, it's not about skill. It's about durability. Uh, Healthy, he's a legit weapon who defenses need to pay attention to. He can box out defenders and works well on contested passes.
1: Yep. Parker, he's got to do it. He's got to do it this year if we're going to win football games and and compete for a, a playoff spot. He's got to do exactly what he did last year. I mean, he was consistent all season long last year and it was really the first time in his career that we've seen that and he's got it. He's got to repeat it. You know, we don't want one season out of the guy and it's like, "Okay, well, that's it." We want more out of him. He's a number one pick. And right now, we need this guy to have, over the next two, three years, to have a season just like he did this year. If he doesn't, then uh, we're not going to win a lot of football games. He's, he's key to our offense. There's no question about it.
0: Well, he's got to stay healthy.
1: Yep. That's it. Yep.
0: <laughs> That's what it comes down to.
1: Absolutely.
0: So next week, we'll, we'll talk about the running backs. We'll talk about the offensive line, and I'm sure there'll be plenty to talk about. But for today, I think we'll call it an evening.
1: All right, sounds good to me. Boy, we got to get through a lot of guys next week as well. So,
0: yeah, next week's going to be a long show.
1: Yeah, drink some coffee before we get on, Mike.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Listen, thanks for uh, joining us and listening in, and uh, we'll be back next week. Lewis, thanks.
1: Fin's up, Doll fans. We'll see Fins you next up, week. Fin's up, everybody. All right, so
0: that's our show for this week. I just want to remind everyone that the FinFans podcast is part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network.